0: all that is going on, and I know a lot of the messages that will be preached today will be these things of encouragement and uh, keeping your focus and all of these other things. This congregation, as long as I have been with it, had better have a pretty good handle of theology by now, and uh, so if I need to encourage you, then do it privately, But as a corporate body, I am here to continue to point and instruct and strengthen in the Holy Word of God. That's what I'm going to do this morning, because you're not going to believe that it's truly a miracle. It will be that as when Corona is gone. I will finish chapter 4. Surprise, 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 the great theologian said. Ephesians four twenty-five to 32 please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that we will have something to share with one whom has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Father, the great comforter, the great counselor, Father, we come today before your throne seeking counsel. Father, seeking uh, the way you edify us with every breath, may we have such gratitude and comfort in that as we grow in the counsel that you give us from brothers and sisters day in and day out. So help us, Lord. Help us to grab a hold of this text. Help us be convicted when necessary, but Father, help us be conformed always to your glory in Christ Christ alone. Amen. Remember, chapter 4 starts out with something we've got to pay close attention to, and we kind of drop it every once in a while. He comes out of that wonderful prayer at the end of chapter 3, and he says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy. And if you look at this chapter, he starts out here, I want you to walk in a manner worthy, and he slowly starts bringing it together smaller and smaller. Now we have moved in, beginning in verse 25, through the end of the book. We're specific. We're specific. This is one of those texts that I've shared with you when I first was in the ministry here. The big uh, conflict was spiritual gifts. Okay? And I mean... It got hot and heavy at different times. People, you know, what I learned was that if a person has seen a pink elephant in their living room, you're not going to tell them they didn't. Okay, but if I listen to some of the stuff that some people said, my uncle's cousin's brother's Bob neighbor healed this blind man. And you're like, what? (laughs) You can't even say that again. Okay, so but that that was the big thing with spiritual gifts, and of course, the gift of languages, what is translated as tongues. That was you know, uh, and I told them that before I was saved, usually at two a.m. in the morning, I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, because it's the same, it's the same word in the original language. It's bladder blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. I share that. That was the original battle in Castle Rock. Okay, that was a long time ago. Okay, you know what the battle is today? And I don't understand why it should be a battle. Are you really saved? Why would that be a battle? If someone approaches you and makes that statement to you, have you ever thought that perhaps I'm doing something that that person doesn't think I'm saved. You ever thought about that? And and yet, you want to stir up a hornet's nest, you just don't look saved. And what you and I have been going through in this just last month or so is evidence, evidence and or lack of evidence. Okay, if there's a lack of evidence... Go back to the first three chapters. If there's not a lack of evidence, then grow in what you know. And remember in verses 22 and 24, so he narrows this thing down. In the first three chapters, he says, this is the position of every child of God, every Christian. And I, listen, there are people out there who says you can get saved... And then after some time, you become a disciple. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You do not separate those two. You cannot separate those two. Okay? But what happens is, as it, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's Word in our lives, perhaps the testimony of other brothers and sisters in Christ, we start growing. We start being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a task. The Apostle Paul told the Colossians, I want to present every man complete in Christ. Now, that's job security. Okay? But as we go through this, we start looking at it and The word of God slowly gets down, and he started there in 22 and 24. First of all, you have to put off the old. Put off the old. It's like a computer. You can't expect it to do something new in an old format. You've got to change it. Input in, input out. And you'll never get it to go a different way. All right? That's the way you and I are, and I don't care at what age you got saved. Because I hear people say, "Well, you know, if it's if you're saved at this age, or no, 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 it ain't got nothing to do with it. You, if if you got saved at eight years old, you've got eight years of sinful input. Now, everybody, there's no eight year old got sin, really." You don't know children then, or you ain't never been around them okay but 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 that input is there always. You know, I know with uh, my two boys, uh, I being mechanically inclined and always you know i was always had to fix my own cars, change my own oil, and, and now I had a grandpa and an uncle who had a mechanic shop and a body shop. And, and so they, you know, you'd pull it in there. And it was funny because they, they let you pull it in there. They said, you know, I need my oil jays They let you pull it in there. And they said, well, there's a jack. I was like, well, you're not going to know, man. You know, and they were smart enough. They could say, well, the oil filter's over here. You can't miss a little can on the side. And so you learned all of this. And usually... Uh, by busting knuckles, because <laughs> it was amazing when they did it. They could ch- do a complete oil change in about 15 minutes, and I could I could get it done easily in four hours. <laughs> so, And then I wanted to even get in. I had uh, some hot rides at first, and they have these two spark plugs that were way in the back, and it was from the devil, because they put them back there, and you're like, they put those two spark plugs and then built a car around it. And it was always that way, so so you learn these things, you learn these tasks, and I mean, you, you know, now I'm over sixties, someone say, "You know, you need to know I don't." <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with it, but that is what the Christian walk is. You were walking by the master of the world. Now, you can be morally sinful. Okay, now, you know, I haven't stolen anybody's wife. You know, I haven't stolen a candy bar lately. Okay, or, you know, and you can have your own level of morality. Okay, and you adhere to it. Okay, but how do you look in God's level of morality? Okay, I mean, when Jesus goes through that and says, if you have fought, you're like, "Oh, gee, me crickets! <laughs> you put me out of my misery now." But what happens is he says, "That old man put it off, And I shared with you that that old man was comfortable. You know, clean it up a little bit. you know, take that old suit, maybe take a garden hose to it, let it dry. You know, we're good to go again. But that's not what he says. He says, you need to put on the new. And we said, all right, that that sounds good. Now he's getting specific. And basically he's saying, okay, this is your position in Christ. Now this is what you should look like. Okay, that's the challenge when you tell somebody, hey, are you sure you're saved? Okay, and here's one of our problems. Sometimes we just want to throw a bunch of theology at them, at at, at a person. Well, do you believe in sovereignty? Do you believe in election? Do you believe? That ain't what you want to do. What you want to do with someone who professes Christ is to watch and listen. And they will give you enough ammunition to condemn them or to encourage them. Remember what I said when when we speak words of edifying? When it is necessary. I remember one of the first people I ever led to Christ. Um, (laughs) I just bulldozed in with the doctrine of election. And I got Christians right now that fight fistfights over that. And yet this guy sat there and he says, my argument was, who as a human would ever write that doctrine? And that was, wow, you're right. And so, uh, anyway, I don't recommend doing it that way. Most people go, oh my God, if this is, if you're a heretic. We're supposed to just stand around and wait. Uh, no, but anyway. All right, um, what do I look like? Because... I know personally for myself, my nature has changed, okay? I know how I used to be, and you guys can all say, well, I was never that bad, all right, well, you just stepped into that bad by thinking that, all right, because I tell everybody, the only difference between you and me, you thought about it, I did it, why waste my time thinking about it, let's give her a shot, all right, and I, uh, I know my nature now. I know things that bother me now that before Christ wouldn't even phase me. Okay? So we've been looking through this. We were looking that we moved from lying. I put off the lying, and now I'm speaking truth to my neighbors. Listen, not opinion, truth. And the people that I've been dealing with under this pandemic or whatever, I speak truth to them. I don't tell them, well, CNN says, or Fox News says, no, man, you know what the Lord says? Because that verse comes back again, (laughs) and it's, you just sit there, and I, I, I already predicted it. I said, I know what's coming. My people who are called by my name, I'll heal your land. You better read that whole thing. You better read that whole thing. Because I remember nine eleven, and the country was broken. We were hurting. And all the spiritual leaders got together in Yankee Stadium, and we're going to pray, and we're pray. And then as soon as we walked out of there, you know what? Give us a target. Oh, you missed that one, didn't you? You know what we're doing with coronavirus? I'll fix it. I'll fix it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal their land. Okay? Because I remember talking to Pastor Paul in Burma. The only way I can see a great awakening here in this country is through economic collapse. Because everything else, we can buy it, fix it, or invent one. Okay? So we move from the lie to speaking truth but we also will go from unrighteous anger okay that means that you're just mad because somebody hurt you okay that's unrighteous anger I don't care how you cut it the only time there is righteous anger is when it's against our Father and our Lord and our Savior then that's righteous anger okay and we move from stealing to sharing we work so we can share that's weird, isn't it? Boy, that's tough on your 401k. What do you mean? Like, no, you share it. Why? Because they may have need. Why? The love of Christ compels me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, who's your neighbor? Anybody that ain't you. So you help them out. You don't believe me? Guess how many calls I get a week from people who need a new transmission? Or needs a hamburger. They don't call so much now that the restaurants are closed. But uh, they they always were, we're on the highway, uh, north and south. And, you know, you call a church because I need rent. I need electric. I need, da-da-da, fill it out. Okay? No, you need Jesus. Because okay? I love it when you can say, well, are you saved? Well, actually, my grandmother was a Baptist. I'm not sure how I got that answer out of that, and I've had that said. I mean, I've had people. Uh, it'll become well. I don't know. You're not allowed to get married under pandemic, but uh, if they start moving weddings again, they'll start calling and saying, you know, my aunt Ethel, she got a, she's a Baptist now. She wants me to get married in the church, and and I tell them, yeah. I said you can use the building. Well, do you want to do it? Nope. I'm already married. So, no, I don't... huh. I'm not interested. But that moves it because I'm here to honor God and I will stand for Him. That's where the righteousness comes from. You have been clothed in Christ's righteousness. But you also share. You share. Okay, what? Whatever is necessary. I remember our pastor, the one that I took his place... Church had given him a raise. There was a young lady in the in the in the, uh, in the congregation. She was going to school, but uh, a rapper. He went out and bought him a car because he needed a car, and he gave his car to her. She ran the wheels off of it to to and from school and work. If I give somebody a car, they'll think I'm cursing them. <laughs> Do you know how many miles is on that? Yeah. (laughs) I do. I'm trying to get it out of my yard. (laughs) So, but, uh, all right. Then the other one was uh, from what I call rotten to edifying words. New American Standard calls it unwholesome. The word literally means rotten. Rotten words. Rotten words, you don't want to touch them. You don't want to smell them. You don't want to get near them, and they don't do anything productive. And you need to move away from that to edifying. Is what I'm about to say going to strengthen you in the situation you're in, if you look at the context? We tend to have a lot of verbiage, and I think that a large percentage is unnecessary. But I am there to encourage you so you understand grace, but I have to do it at the right opportunity. Then lastly, to finish the chapter, 31 and 32, I call from vices to virtue. Verse 31, basically what I would call a negative summary of the previous. Okay, I'm just going to summarize the old self that you need to put off. Okay. the word bitterness there. Put this off. Bitterness. Bitterness in the original language. It is a uh, a smoldering, seething resentment. Okay, the best way that I can describe it is a, a, an unforgiving spirit. Okay. That you have done something to me that I'm never going to let go i'll still act like I'm your friend, but don't get near me don't talk to me don't ask me for nothing okay that's bitterness and, and and every one of us here, I think has dealt with people who are bitter. you know I got a whole list of people just run through my head. Uh, gosh, I seem to hang out with a lot of bitter people, <laughs> but uh, but they they always have this resentment about something, okay? And they can move one that I am resentful for, but but you added that one, and you'll see him do that. And then the next one you see there is wrath. When you have this seething undercurrent thing, eventually. Wrath is going to expose itself. Okay. Now, normally when you think of wrath, you think of the wrath of God. Okay. That ain't the word here. It has to do, uh, when a person blows up. Okay. Have you ever seen that? They seem calm, cool, and collected, and then all of a sudden down the road, down the road, down the road, and all of a sudden this boof. Okay. It, they're out of control. It's, it's like, uh, Unrighteous anger on steroids they uh, when I look at bitterness as the foundation, then wrath is is that self centered hatred i don 't like you because I really like me okay and and so that's that 's what the word wrath here, but there 's one here that is, is kind of cute well it 's not but I remember it well clamor clamor is a violent outburst in public as soon as i was dissecting this word all i could think of is if you've ever lived in a subdivision in the summer you know clamor cuz it's like when the windows go up when we grew up in what i call a pre-subdivision it was a crossroads of streets and it was all residential but when we were growing up we didn 't have air conditioning, so people all put their windows up, and when they got into it, <laughs> everybody in the subdivision knew it, and you know well, you know that was we know who that family is, yeah, we know who that family is and it, but that 's what clamor means it 's that uh, i 'm not embarrassed about this; I want to show you my screaming i've i 've seen it. A couple of times in uh, Walmarts, that, uh, I think Walmarts are little baby subdivisions or something. But I, I, when I looked at that word, I thought, you know what, this is back when you didn't have air conditioning, and everybody had their windows open, and you knew what was going down. I mean, you know, you'd be a kid out riding your bicycle or something like that, and you're like, oh, he didn't get home in time, did he? Okay. You know, but if you think about it today, we do it and somebody cuts you off in traffic. Of course, we don't have a lot of traffic right now. But if somebody does something to do that, you have an outburst that you would do in public. You just happen to have your windows up. Okay. Now, I want you to look at something we just looked at real quick. If you have bitterness. Okay. And you hold on to it then wrath and anger will lead to an outburst of, of, of some type. I remember an issue was going on in this fellowship. It's been years ago. And uh, the husband and wife wanted to speak to the leadership of the church. And uh, so we all got together. And we were sitting there listening to... You know, it's kind of weird. I don't even remember what we were talking about because all of a sudden she just went, Boom! And and it was like whoa, whoa, and I mean, and she jumped up and you're pointing and and the elders were all sitting there going, huh? And then she left. She got, I mean, I never seen anything like it. But she took a a solid core four o door, okay, that had a closer on it, and slammed it back through the door jam, and and blew out. And you're sitting there going. Of course, then said, Are you going to go fix that lock? And I says, No, <laughs> I ain't going out there right now. <laughs> so, and I uh, never did see him again. And I thought, Well, yeah, but that's when you have a bitterness, it will fester and just grow and grow and grow. That's our old self smoldering inside so that all of a sudden I decide it's time to yell at you because I think you desire it. Okay? And they do it in public and they're not embarrassed about it. That's the old person. But then he adds this. Paul wants to make sure he covers all of his bases. Note what he says next. Clamor, slander. You know what slander is, right? Speak evil of somebody. But we've gotten to the place now that I can speak evil of you in front of you, or I can speak evil behind your back. Either way you're doing it. <clears throat> it goes from just confronting somebody, okay, or the that backbiting. Whispering. The point is, you've got the wrong relationship to people. I mean, it's that simple. Okay? All of a sudden, you're the important one. It's, uh... I've seen these people in my years serving the body of Christ they have a wonderful relationship with God they had a terrible relationship with people I I know a couple of people instinctively that uh, early in my life in my walk with Christ I thought man why would I want this because the, the people these individuals were uh, were brutal I mean I don't have verbally brutal I don't know what they were in, in quiet and yet their relationship to people was so wrong and yet I look what is the theme of this book? Unity of the body unity of the body and yet you've got people now don't get off on your wheat and tear thing. Because anytime you start looking at somebody who's grouchy or bitter or well, that's just one of them tears, Jesus said, leave them alone, the angels will sort it out. We're not that good at that, in case you were wondering. Okay. If you've got those kind of people in your life, what do you do? You love them to death. Okay? Of course i will tell you when you do that in the beginning it just makes them worse but as joshua the lord goes before us you know i think the theme of this book is the unity of the body our oneness our manifestation in our unity to show the oneness of god the father god the son god the holy spirit and i asked myself a question in this church and others, what does the world see? What does the world see? Because I got news, we've gone through this, especially in chapter 2. That unity, you can't manufacture. I don't care how many skits you do. I don't care what small groups you got. I don't care, I don't care what you're doing. You can't make that happen. You keep pouring theology into the people, and they will slowly decrease. God will increase, and you will have unity. Any time that there's derision in a body of Christ, know that it's sin. Now you can sit and say, "Well, that's some of the terror." Now, how do you know that? I don't know that. I mean, the first thing that we'll jump—oh, I don't think they're saved. I don't think they're taught. Teach them and see if they're saved. When you deal with people, you can't be bitter. I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care how many times they've done it to you. I was going through this because I got an extra week off uh, and going back through all the things that I have been called in my 25 years. And I sitting there going, wow, man. <laughs> I'm a piece of work, ain't I? <laughs> because you can't believe that I went from Pharisee to Antichrist <laughs> and then you know, everything in between, you know. But I still run into these people. Okay, you can't be bitter. You cannot be wrathful. You can't be clamorous. You can't be slanderous. Yet we can't do it inside the body of Christ. Nor can we do it outside of the body of Christ. I've had, the Lord has been testing me on what I've been studying and I've had to deal with some politicians in the last week and a half and that there is a true test of my sanctification because uh, these people can talk for 40 minutes and when you're done, you're like, I don't even know what they said and I definitely know they don't know what the question was answered. I mean, I hate somebody who answers a question, and then 40 minutes later you're sitting there going, you never give me an answer. And I bet you if I ask you, do you know what I asked you? You can't answer me. And yet you sit there and you smile and you think, Lord, come quickly. We have to put these things away. You know what that means? Get rid of it all no room as Christians we must deal with each other properly and we have to deal with each other even on personal issues and we do it properly let me ask you a question how are these things in your family I mean, I, I see this and getting All the psycho uh, guys, one of them psychologists on TV, explaining how the family dynamic has changed. Now the parents are there, and how do you and the kids are there, and and, and all of this friction that will be there, and this that. And I'm sitting there going, "You guys are clowns, man. Okay, how are you guys going to do this all hanging out together now that you're all stuck in the same house? Okay, how does it work?" Okay, because I can tell you this. Whatever you do in your family, you bring to the family of God. Is there any bitterness? Any of that wrath? Any anger? Clamor? Evil speaking? Paul says, put it away. Put it away. But you don't want to learn about the Lord a long time ago. I'll be honest with you, I had to learn it the hard way. Any time the Lord removes something from you, He replaces it. Okay, verse thirty-two: Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. That's what He replaces. That's what He replaces bitterness with. He replaces wrath with anger, clamor, evil speaking. Get rid of that. Why? I want you to be kind to one another. I want you to be tenderhearted to one another. I want you to be forgiving of one another. But don't you know what they did to me? I have the right to be angry for what they did to me. You know what? And I've. Point it long, and they've never changed. So I'm going to be bitter with them. I'll try to keep the clamor down. But after I get done, let will go over here and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, the details. I'll explain it to you. You know, um, we had a uh, uh, time of, a few years ago, where we had to discipline a person in our church, and uh, I could sit and talked to him, explained to him, and he acknowledged it, and then he refused to change. So I took one of the elders with me, and we sat and we confronted him, and uh, we got to deal with this. And uh, he said he ain't changing. So I came back to the congregation that following Sunday, and I said. Uh, I need everybody in this congregation, kids, everybody, would you send him a card. Tell him that you love him. And you want to see him whole in Christ. And you know what? Every person in the church sent him a card. That didn't change him. But you know what? We did it right. We did it right. So, not only that, his pastor, where he moved to, sent me a card that he wanted to move membership. So I had to send him a letter back and said he's under church discipline. Deal with it. So, whatever. I want you to think about this for a second, though. See, it's easy to be bitter, isn't it? Somebody hurt you. Somebody either they do it accidentally on purpose, right? But look what he says. I want you to think about this for a second I don't care who you're dealing with it can be in your family, it can be a co-worker it can be somebody that you may just cross on the street I want you to be as and I want you to think about it God was kind to you God was tender hearted to each and every one of us God was forgiving, wasn't He? And guess what? None of us deserve it. None of us. We don't yell at someone because they deserve it. We yell at someone because we are sinful. Just think about that. If you do it, it's because you are sinful. If you are bitter, it's because you are sinful. And I got news for you. When God points out a sin in your life, you ain't going anywhere else until that's dealt with. I mean, you can sit there and you can memorize and do everything you want. I know, I memorized the book of Philippians. You ain't going anywhere until that bitterness or that wrath or that clamor or that slander is taken care of. The nature of God is I don't care what you've done to me. I'll love you anyway. And I shared with you, you were an old creature and now you are a new creature. I'll be kind to you, God said. God says I'll be tenderhearted to you and I will forgive you and I will conform you into the image of my son. Listen, brothers and sisters. (laughs) That's what God expects. Now remember, without faith, you cannot please God so you have this information now ask yourself a question what does my faith do with it does my faith believe this yeah but you don't understand being bitter is easy yeah and tender hearted the first thing that will pop into your head is they're going to take advantage of me you know what they may even nail you to a cross oh well If you are a new creation, this should be there. We are now in Jesus Christ. Okay. If you're in this world, then you should be moving from lying to speaking the truth, from unrighteous anger to righteous anger from stealing to sharing, from rotten to edifying words, and from vices to virtues. Because of what he did in verse 32. Look what it says there at the end of it. Just as, just as God in Christ also forgave you. the world listen we do this the world will take notice the world will hear our message brothers and sisters that's the unity of the body this is where the new man is to act and let me tell you something you take those two contrasts in 31 and 32 you see the lost I mean tell me you look around our world today look at it is there any bitterness how about wrath vocal acted on anger any of that maybe a little clamor outburst yeah I'll tell you what, a couple of weeks before this thing all started, I was uh, going down to the roundabout down there at Third and Perry, and on the corner where the old church used to be, there were some girls selling cookies, Girl Scout cookies, in the corner of a roundabout. There was clamor everywhere. <laughs> They'd drive up, roll over, and says, Look, they got a drive through window. <laughs> I've seen people get mad and go straight over the thing and, go, and you're like, "Wow, man, it's just cookies." It's clamor. See what I mean? I can look at that and say, "Okay, that's the world. Yeah, sure." So what would the world think if all of a sudden they saw tender-heartedness, forgiving each other, kindness to one another? What would they do with that? This is the way men, the new man, is to act. Examine yourself, Paul said, Peter said. We speak the truth. We control our anger. It should only be righteous. We share with the body and those in need who need Jesus. We edify with our language, we do it graciously, and we do it when it's in need we love one another we are kind to one another we are tender hearted to one another and we are forgiving because we are new men new lives there's a change and when this is fleshed out the world sees it so let's go forward to the world and show them let's pray Father thank you Thank You for uh, Your Word. Thank You as You have sealed us to the day of redemption with Your Spirit. Thank You so much, Father, for bringing us here today, taking care of us through this uh, strange time. Father, uh, I pray that even in this that we do not fear, we do not become perplexed. Father, we... uh, Rest full weight upon you and you alone. Help us. We love you. Help our love grow. until that day our faith becomes sight. Christ's name, amen.